0: Dance Masters, the podcast. I'm only listening if you get people chatting music with DJs behind the music. Chatting music with DJs behind the music. You're listening to Dance Masters. I'm James Blonde. And as part of DREAM, tonight's guest scored eight UK top 40s and a massive worldwide smash With things can only get better. Oh, and the other one, you're the best thing. <laughs> Behind the decks, he has in his own right independently championed some of the biggest and best dance floors across the world, known for his quality underground sets and eclectic taste. Better known as the moody, sultry ones from d Ream. tonight we welcome back Al McKenzie to the show.
1: Good evening, James. Hope you're well.
0: I am indeed. I am indeed. Last time you were on the show with Pete, we covered a lot about d Ream, uh, mm-hmm. especially now you've got new music out. But yeah. you've actually been DJing for, for quite a while, since about the mid-80s, isn't it?
1: Probably about eight. 87-88 8, 8, I started DJing. Yeah, I, mean, I was doing a few in the late night, late 80s. I had my own sound system as well, which I used to. Drive around to various fields and parties all around um this all around sort of Surrey and areas like that.
0: Your career is split into two halves: partly producing and performing as D Ream, and then the other half DJing. Do you prefer the production and performance of D Ream, or do you prefer hitting the clubs and going solo?
1: I like DJing. I mean, look, I like all. I'm mean, going to do my own music as well. Obviously, look, DJing's I wouldn't say it's easy because I do try the patience of some dance floors. <laughs> I just, you know, getting up there and just playing tunes. Well, it used to be just records. Now it's even easier with USBs and, you know, occasionally records if people have got the stuff. It's just easy, isn't it? You go on, you play your thing, you get off. Whereas making music, it's, it's great fun. But put it this way, when you DJ, if you have a bad set, whatever, it's a one-off thing, you can make that up next week. If you do some tunes and everyone hates it, well, they're out there yes so, yeah you're screwed kind of back in the day
0: i know you did some remixes as d reem um yeah. and i know you're also doing your field of dreams uh, That's right, production yeah. as well now you've reformed as d reem will you be going and doing more remixes d reem or just focusing on the field of Dreams?
1: because i do quite a lot on my own with you see field of dreams and Retro Forward, which is my couple, i i do that just me field of dreams and my partner chris kentish we do that together so we do quite a lot them so i don't really think there's a market for dream remixes we've gone more pop dance side of things or dance pop whatever and the scenes moved on so much that i'm not sure the market's there for dream or d remixes as we used to call them back then we were more dance you know and, and sort of went into pop whereas now we're definitely we've got that audience so we're definitely from pop but dance obviously i would i'd never see I, I think i said i touched on this when the interview. this as dream I have a different definition of pop to many people. I think pop is just popular music, and that can be anything from like Oasis to whatever. (laughs) I don't really classify what some people call pop as music, actually. I think it's just trash.
0: It's that bubblegum pop and that novelty record kind of thing, isn't it?
1: That's the thing, you know, and there's nothing wrong with pop music, in my opinion, you know, good quality pop music. so. So, yeah, I think we're more on that side of things as opposed to dance, and dance has moved on. Although, by all counts, what I'm hearing, it's, it, it does seem to be getting back into all that old 90s sort of stuff again. Everyone seems to be tipping the hats back to it, so who knows?
0: That's made me very, very happy, I've, I've got to say. Yeah. And, and just moving on a little bit, I know over the years your diary has been incredibly busy. During the peak of the band's success, how did you manage to balance the demands of your DJ bookings oh,
1: well, and gigs I, with the band? I just didn't turn up to some of the gigs for the band. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Well, the thing is, it was quite strange I left the band after the first album. You no, know, we'd done like the top of the pops and we hadn't hit number one by then. We'd had like sort of top four, top 40 singles. And a lot of things are PAs by then, we were still building up and getting bigger and bigger. And so a lot of it was just PAs. And I'd, I'd do some, and if I had gigs like DJ gigs, I'd just do the DJ gigs. Pete, like, he'd got Brian involved, Brian Cox involved, didn't sort of keep, you know. And he'd have people like that who'd go, he's back and sing as singers and him. And occasionally, I'd say I'd do them. But, you know, it's PAs a lot of them. And, you know, I wasn't exactly doing anything. And I didn't sing back then like I do now which might be a good thing or a bad thing for some people. (laughs) But at least I'm more comfortable now even with the PA side of things in the sense that I control what we're doing with my computer and everything and I bring a bit of percussion and I do sing. So it makes me feel a bit more like I'm doing something. Whereas back in those days, I was completely green and you know, I didn't really know what I was doing and I wasn't doing much. So it's better for me to go and DJ and do something actually was quite good at.
0: You didn't want to be the guy standing there in the background with his mic turned down, just twiddling his thumbs.
1: And I was getting paid more money for DJing than for the PA's back then. Well, steer into the world of fantasy now. Instead
0: uh, of um, dinner party guests that you could invite, living or dead, you get to curate your own club night or your own festival stage takeover. Who would be on your ideal lineup?
1: Well, people like Roger Sanchez and Ramplin in these sort of late eighties was brilliant. I loved Roger Sanchez back in the early nineties. Andrew Weatherall would always be there. Yeah, those three sort of jump out at me. Masters at Work, again, back, back in the day.
0: I think that would probably fill the lineup because I know that both Roger and uh, Masters at Work do these epic long sets. Well, I,
1: as did Andrew. So, and on a personal level, who's your favourite DJ of all time? I, I think Weatherall, Andrew Weatherall, was the ultimate DJ because he, he managed to stand the test of time until he passed. say. he went through from the late eighties as being a top DJ on whichever scene he was on and not many DJs manage to do that. So, I think Weather is the ultimate DJ for me personally. And is there anyone new coming up through the ranks that you rate? People like Simple Symmetry, Red Axis, they've been going around for a few years now, and they're on a certain scene. I don't know a lot of the new DJs, especially in the last year and a half, I've not been anywhere. So, Yeah. You can throw names at me. I went I mean I went to a um, festival just before all this rubbish kicked off. And I have to say, I heard like Peggy Goode, I heard loads of things about her, and I thought, oh, God, I thought she's terrible. I, I got a bit of a shock considering she's like supposedly one of the biggest ones. And I'm just like, nah. But but then that's, that's me, one man's meat and all that. Yes. So, and I, I'm quite choosy. I, I do like quite sleazy, slow, weird electronic acid house music. And let's <laughs> yeah. be honest. Sleazy,
0: <laughs> everyone... slow, electronic acid. I love that.
1: That's, a lot of people bit... don't, don't really play that stuff. So. People like Giles Peterson, I really like people like him. So
0: We had Danny Rampling on the show not so long ago and we were talking about Giles Peterson and, and his show is just smashing it at the moment. It really, I, really is.
1: Yeah, I love all that sort of world music, let's say.
0: Well, with the world opening back up again,
1: are there any gigs that you're most looking forward to? Because I've had a few gigs on hold of my own party. So I've got one on Alpha last Night, which should have been Andrew Weatherall but it's just Sean now. And that's um, the end of August. I'm oh, fingers crossed it's going to happen. I've got another one, Simple Symmetry, but we haven't set a new date for that. Playing a few festivals, but I'm still quite reticent about it. All I have to say, I'm, I'm fingers crossed that these things are going to happen. But I haven't been taking any new gigs because I, I haven't thought they're going to happen. So, more we'll fool me, maybe. But yeah. we'll just see what happens. I, mean, I and I've got, got a few band gigs, so I'm thinking they'll tide me over until next year, and we can um we can start doing things properly again.
0: I'm James Blonde. You're listening to Dance Masters tonight. We're here with Al McKenzie. Before he goes into the mix, it's time to find out what's in his box. So, Al. Is there a signature record or a go to tune that defines your sound?
1: I'd say that alone. I, I do like my sort of, sort of slow, sleazy acid, but and that tends to be sort of warm up type things as well with, with that tempo. And, and I tend to play quite upfront new stuff as opposed to sort of um, playing old things. So, oh dear, you caught me there. Mm. Good. I go through little stages where I I know sometimes I get a bit more jazzy but if I'm playing and I do tend to play earlier I do tend to play quite oh god I can hit to under 100 BPM but it's I know it sounds really slow but it builds a mood and, and it's not um, It's not really boring. I don't think it's really boring.
0: I have to say what would be considered a warm-up set where you get to be a bit more eclectic and where you get to play a little bit more down-tempo and trial new tunes, there's something quite titillating about that.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I love it. There's something nice as well, building the dance floor up for other people. You know, and I slowly build the tempo up, but I must admit, whereas like years ago, back in the 90s, where we, well, we used to, you know, regularly hit sort of like 120 to 130 i think i might have a heart attack if i got anything over about 120 now
0: just looking at that i mean obviously that's the kind of stuff that you're you're playing out at the moment have you an all-time favorite tune
1: well i always kind of go back to cc rogers someday always a favorite from mine. when it came out i bought the import from when it came out in 86 or 87 and i've still got my original copy and i actually did a mix which is on my mix cloud something for someone for a radio show and it, it was just a a classic mix. I thought it was all pre nineteen ninety, but it's the one and only one I'm doing. My partner keeps trying to get me to do another one, but I'm not. Um, I'm not doing another one. I finished with that again, and it just made all made sense to me. It's still such a brilliant record, and even the sentiment of the record still stands now. It hasn't really lost any sort of um sort of meaning, pertinence. It, you know, it, was a, it had good pedigree. That record.
0: Looking back to the earliest record, a, a very young Al uh, going out with his pocket money. What was the first piece of vinyl you thing bought?
1: I bought? was the specials Gangsters in 1979, I believe. The first record I owned was bought for me by mum and dad and it was High on Hill Lived a Lonely Goat Herd by Julie Andrews. Really? From whatever film it's from. Uh, uh, was it wasn't Sound
0: of Music.
1: Um, I've never actually seen the film, but mum went and bought. That's the first seven-inch I ever owned. I had that and these are a few of my favourite things on the b side. I distinctly remember it. I used to love it when I was, when I was about six years old. Did you use the single along? <laughs> I love, I guess, I on hill of the lonely goat. I've never seen a film.
0: <laughs> well, that brings me on to my next question. Do you have a
1: secret guilty pleasure track? I don't believe in them guilty pleasures. I think, you know, if you like something, you like something. So that's, yeah, for example, I've got, I love George Michael, always loved George Michael. People used to take the Mickey, but me and my love of George Michael, really, nothing would be what you call a secret guilty pleasure. You know, I like things like Haircut 100. So if anything, say something like Love Plus One by Haircut 100. But I I love that record, and you know, a proper band. It's not so I've got nothing to be guilty of. I'm just looking at some CDs here and and next to me on my computer, and I'm just trying to see if there's anything that jumps out and says, "Oh, you, you, you should be guilty of this." (laughs) Not really. No. Yeah, I just think if you like something, you like it. So,
0: Haircut 100 and George Michael, you don't have to sell either of those to me. That's
1: that's exactly. See, there we go.
0: So, um do you have uh, one treasured piece of vinyl that you will take to the grave?
1: Oh, my hero's prince. So oh God, know, I've got I've got some I've got so much rare rare stuff by him. Um, um I probably would say it would be my picture disc of Bills and Boys which is quite a rarity and I love it I mean if you top if you top albums Marvin Gaye What's Going On original copy Ooh. that's probably because you know, that's got to be one of the greatest albums ever made so possibly something like that
0: okay we'll take that definitely and are there any new tunes in your box we should be watching out for
1: oh god there's loads of new tunes in my box you'd be watching out for um, most of them have totally unpronounceable names unfortunately but I, I think it's why some people listen to the radio, radio show just so they can hear me Struggle with all the titles and tunes. (laughs) uh, I have have exactly the same uh, problem. It's horrendous, isn't it? Yes.
0: You'll usually find I either A, won't back announce it, or B, say, check out the playlist online because that (laughs) way I
1: haven't got to deal with it. I've made it a bit of a sort of, it's almost a bit of a joke on the show now where I, I start and then you hear all the grumbles afterwards then I sort of like tell myself off and say I've got to learn German or Serbian or something but there's a new Michael no, Ma- no Michael Ma super picture yeah there's a new remix he has done and this could be one of these unpronounceables I'm just looking it up so it's <laughs> where is it I can't remember how you spell his name. Oh well, there you go. This this is like, but this is actually like my radio show, mumbling away. <laughs> I'm mumbling away to myself about stuff. Then just, uh, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely hopeless in names of things. Well,
0: we're here to educate as well as entertain. Al, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure. So, if you've liked what you've heard and you fancy adding some tunes into the mix, check out the full two-hour show with an exclusive mix from tonight's guest at UnionJackDance.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Join us back here next Friday on Dance Masters and don't forget to hit the link to subscribe. Dance Masters,
1: the podcast. I'm only listening if you get people chatting music
0: with DJs behind the music. Chatting music with DJs behind the music.